So today's daf is daf Nunches, page 58. In the Heligit Meseches Ksubis, I got Nerv Shabbos, and we pick up from the last word on the second line. Okay, second line on the Amud, we're up to the last word on the line. All right, so we're wrapping up this, this topic. Let's remind ourselves. Yesterday we, were, we, we brought down two reasons why the Chachamim do not allow a woman who's an Arusa to eat Truma. So if you have a Kohen married to a Yisraelis, and uh, they have Arisen, so she's still living in her parents' home. All right, she's still living in her parents' home. So biblically speaking, she, she, she's allowed to eat Truma because he acquired her. They're married. But the Rechachamim say she's not allowed to eat Truma. One reason given is because we're concerned, since she's living at home, if we allow her to eat Truma, then her, her siblings, right, her family, may come to eat the Truma that her husband sends her. The other reason is why we do not allow her to eat Truma is because we're concerned at the time of Nisuin, when ultimately they're living together as husband and wife, perhaps the husband is going to find a flaw in her, which is so severe that it would nullify the whole marriage. Okay? And if that would be true, what's going to happen is, she's never been married to him all along. Simpain was the word that we used. She was never married to him all along. And since she wasn't married to him all along, she, she was a regular Yisraelis, eating truma in a forbidden fashion. So we want to wait till there's a complete closure, a, com- a completion of the relationship, so there's no longer any concern of simpain. Those were the two reasons given. And now we pick up, to wrap up the halacha, says the Gemara, last word on the second line, michti letzi. Bottom line is, bein lamar, bein lamar. According to either reason, layachla. The chachamim say, you're not allowed to eat truma. So why do you got to argue about this? Just say, we agree, why does, it, why does the reason matter? So the Gemara is going to explain there's actually three different circumstances where there will be a very practical nafkamina. Circumstance number one is kibel. Let's say the husband accepted upon himself all defects, all blemishes that she may have. Okay? Call it something physically an issue. Call it a debilitating illness that he says at, by the Arison. He says, I don't care no matter what my wife throws my way, whether physically, whether it's emotionally, whether it's uh, any sort of uh, illness, I'm, ex- I'm not nullifying this marriage. So according to the reason of Simpon, the marriage is not going to be nullified. But, and therefore she could eat shroom already. But according to the reason that we're concerned, she may feed her family, we still have that concern and she would not be allowed to eat shroom. And the other circumstances would be Masar the Halach, the Masar Vahalach, remember, were the cases where the father sent her off with his own messengers or the messengers of the husband. So what's happening like this, there's an element of Nesuin that takes place as soon as the messengers start going. But does the husband notice her defects yet? No, he's not there to see it. So here we go. If the reason why she can't eat truma is because she's living at home, is she living at home? No, she already left. She hit the road already with the messengers. So she could already eat truma when she's on the way. 
But if we're concerned of Simpon, if we're concerned about the marriage being nullified retroactively when she meets her husband, she still would not be allowed to eat trumo while she's traveling because that concern would remain in place. Beautiful. Okay? Sigmar is giving us some practical differences as to what the, the, the logic of an Arusa not eating truma may be. Beautiful. Two dots. Here we go. Four lines from the top of Nun Ches Amar Aleph. The next part of the Mishnah says, Reb Tarfin Aymer, Hakol Truma Vechul. Our Mishnah taught us once the 12 months are up for a Basula or 30 days for an Almana, so the husband has to start feeding her. So the husband's a Kohen. Could he give her all of the food as Truma or does it have to be some and some? So Rabbi Tarfin says he can give her everything Truma. You can give everything Truma. She's allowed to start eating Truma. Just send Truma her way. Let the Kohen send Truma his wife's way. But remember Rabbi Akiva argued. Rabbi Akiva says no. Because even the wife of a Kohen who's allowed to eat Truma, there's times where she will not be able to because she becomes tummy. Whether it's that time of month for her, whether she attended a funeral, whether she beca- whatever it is. There's many reasons why a person is not allowed to eat Truma. So Rabbi Akiva is going to say, you can't only send her truma because she cannot, uh, she can't always eat it. So you're going to have to send her part chulin, part truma. That's Rabbi Akiva's opinion. Now our Gemara is going to qualify this dispute. We're going to qualify it and explain where exactly, what's the case where Rabbi Tarfon and Rabbi Akiva argue. Amar Abaye. Abaye says, Machlokas bebas kohen le kohen. The dispute in our Mishnah as to whether the Kohen can send his wife only Truma or some and some is when she's also a Kohenes. When she's also a Kohenes, then we have Machlokas. Okay, fine. Makes sense, right? She could be a Kohenes that can't eat Truma if she becomes tummy. We get it. Avol, but Bebas Yisrael le Kohen. Let's say you have a Kohen who marries a Bas Yisrael. A regular Yisraelis. Ready for this? Divrei hakol says Abaye, Reb Tarfin Reb Kibu will agree. Mechza chulin, mechza truma. You gotta give her some chulin and some truma. Why? Abaye is teaching us a beautiful mida. This is midos. This is midos. Says Abaye like this: If a kohen only sends his wife truma, is she is she gonna become tamei? Yeah. There's times where she's gonna be tamei. So what's she supposed to eat? Why does your tarfin say you can only send her truma? So we saw when we, when we learned the Mishnah, what does Rashi kick in and explain? Let her go sell it. Give her the truma and let her go sell the truma. Now let me ask you a question. If she wants to go sell the truma, who could buy it? Only a coin. So she has limited purchasers. This is basic business, Hever. This is basic business. If you have a whole community to sell food to, more chance of buyers, the higher the price. If you can only sell it to a Kohen, you have limited purchasers, so the price goes down. You can't charge too much. So now listen to this. Not only is the price going to go down, but says Abaye, you have to know who's who. It's like kind of like a black market, Lahavdil. Okay? You got to know how to sell Truma, but Kohanim and a Kohenes that's how they live. They understand how the market works. You walk into a school where you have a, the, the kid has a canteen from his locker, right? So 
you have to be around to know how the system works. If she's a Yisraelis, marrying into the kahuna, she doesn't really know how to sell her truma, where all the buyers are, the best places to go to, where you can get the highest price. So therefore, says Abaye, even Reb Tarfin will agree, if she's a Yisraelis marrying a Kohen, you, can, you, you gotta give her 50-50, like Rabbi Akiva. And Abai says, I'll tell you something else about this Machlekes. Machlekes Barusa, this dispute is only while she is in Arusa. Avol Benesua, but let's say she's already a Nesua. Okay, she's already a Nesua. So, you know, she's, uh, <laughs> her, her father is not going to be doing this for her. And Abai is in Amora. So the Gemara says, Tani Nami Hachi, you should know Abai is right, because there's a Brisa that teaches us this. There's a Brisa that says, Reb Tarfin, Aymer Naisen La Akol Truma, you can give her all Truma. Reb Kiva says, it's got to be Mechzachul and Mechzachruma. Amurim, where's this dispute? Only by Bas Kohen La Kohen. When you have a Kohen marrying a Kohenes, that's where Reb Tarfin says, you could give her all Truma, because she knows the market. You could, you could rely on her to sell it. But let's say you have a Kohen marrying a Bas Yisrael. And 12 months are up and they're not married. You should know. You got to give her half and half. Period. Okay. So let's take a step back. What we just learned and clarified is our Mishnah told us 12 months are up. The Kohen doesn't marry his wife. Rabbi Tarfin says, give her all truma. Rebbe Kiva says, no, some truma, some chulen. What we just clarified is, that's when you have a Kohen and a Kohenes. However, if it's a case where a Kohen marries a Yisraelis, everybody's going to agree, even Rebbe Tarfin will agree, you got to give 50-50. You have to give her some chulen. I let her go sell it. I know, but she doesn't know the market. She's a Yisraelis. She's first marrying into the kahuna. She's not going to know how to get her bang for her buck. She's not going to know how to really sell this. You got to you got to be fair. This is midas, midas, be menschlich. And this happen this happens daily in our lives. It happens when somebody walks into your shul, somebody walks into your house, somebody walks into a supermarket, and they're never there before. They never walked into shul. They don't know where to sit. They don't know where to get a sitter. They don't know what page you're up to. They don't know what's happening. Says Abaye, no abisurachmanus, a little mercy. Take care of them. Let them get from let this Yisraelis familiarize herself in the world of the Kahanim. Give her some time, give her some space, make her feel welcome. Don't make this difficult for her. Okay. So those are that's the clarification of the opinions between Rabtarf and Rabbi Akiva. Now the Gemara is going to get into three additional opinions about what you do when three other opinions about, about eating truma once the 12 months are up. We now know Reb Tarf and Reb Yekiva. Let's learn three more opinions. Reb Yehuda ben Beseira Eimer. Reb Yehuda ben Beseira says, She gets two-thirds truma, one-third chulin. Unlike Rabbi Akiva, who says half and half, which Reb Tarfin would agree to if it's Yisraelis. Reb Yehuda ben Beseira says, Two-thirds truma, one-third chul. Okay? Now, he's agreeing to at least part of it has to be chul. He says it doesn't need to be a full 50-50. All right, that's the third opinion. Rabbi Yehuda Aymer, Rabbi Yehuda says, Listen to this opinion, this is amazing. This is going to be a little nuanced. It says Rabbi Yehuda, give her everything truma. You could, you could give her all truma. Seems to be like Rabbi Tarfin. But listen to this. He says, However, vihi cheres, 
v'leikachas badamim chulim. She'll go sell it and buy chulin with it. Okay? Now, how is this different than our original opinion? Reb Tarfin said, give her all truma. Reb Yehuda is saying, give her all truma. The difference is like this. Reb Tarfin says, we're going to learn, Bez Hashem, over the next week, how much you need to give your wife. How much food is it? Even in a regular marriage, it's going to be amazing. You know, I want to, let's pause, take a step back for a moment. It's a little bit of a, of a tangent, but it's going to get us ready for the next week of, of Ksubis. Everything has a source in Tyre. If a person's married, so very often it's like, okay, it's a partnership. You take care of things, I take care of things, Shalom al Yisrael. Everything is ultimately is based off of something. There's Torah sources. So let's think about it. When we say a husband is obligated to feed his wife, what does feed your wife mean? How much? How much truma does he have to give his wife? When, when, when they haven't done the suin yet, when they haven't you know, gone into chuppi, how, how much? A dollar a day? Ten dollars a day? Uh, uh, sp- uh, uh, you know, um, a, a piece of toast with some butter? Like, what do you have to send? A husband can say, that's all I need to send. No... It's not about the value, it's about, it's about what I think she needs. We're going to learn over the next week, interestingly, there are some bottom line obligations that every husband has to a wife, both physically, emotionally, fi- not both, all physically, emotionally, financially. And the same thing is going to be a responsibility of a wife. We're going to learn certain things that when a wife goes into a Torah marriage with her husband, where physically, emotionally, and financially, she's responsible to her husband as well. As a bottom line, you can always add, you can always make separate agreements as we're gonna see over the next uh, you know, week or so. But everything does have uh, a bottom line place to start from, okay? So now let's bring this back into our Gemara. Rabbi Yehuda says, you give her truma. Now Rabbi Tarfin, and, and let her go sell it for the value. What does that mean? So Rabbi Tarfin said, give her truma. What does it mean? Whatever amount your husband of, of uh, whatever financial amount of food a husband's responsible to give his wife, let her give it in truma. Says Rabbi Yehuda like this. He says, no. The husband could give it all in truma. However, if let's say she has a hard time selling it and she has to charge less, you actually have to send her more truma. So that she can make up for the for the loss of selling truma, because truma sells for less than chulin. It's hard to find buyers. So therefore, Rabbi Yehuda is going to say, you could give her all truma, but no, you, Mister Husband, you're going to be sending her more food than you otherwise would have if you'd be sending chulin, because she could just not, she, she's going to go sell it now, and she's going to charge less. Rav Shimon Gamliel, I'm Rav Gamliel says, this is the last opinion. You should know, whenever she receives truma, you could give, you're going to be obligated to pay her double in chulin, which also seems to be like Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says, you're going to have to give her more. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, you're going to have to give her double. Now, it says, what's the difference in these last two opinions? And it's the Gemara, beautiful. The difference is, do we put any sort of pressure on her to try to get a good deal, right? So like this, our Rabbi Yehuda says, listen, she's going to sell it for less, but it's still her responsibility to go sell it. Get yourself a fair price and we'll make up the difference. Rabbi Shunam Gamliel is saying, you want to give her truma? 
give her truma. But we're just letting you know, if she wants, she could sell it for pennies on the dollar. And you're just going to have to give her more truma and more truma and more truma and more truma. Okay? So that's the, that's the five different, uh, uh, the five-way machlaikas. We have Reb Tarfin, Rabbi Akiva, we have Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra, Rabbi Yehuda and Reb Shimming Amliel all arguing about when a husband's sending food to his wife, what type of food is it and how much food does it need to be beautiful? Two dots. We're now going to enter uh, two short, quick Gemaras. Says, uh, our Mishnah said, and this is something that bothered us, Rabiel, uh, you brought up a conversation when we learned the Mishnah yesterday. Remember, our Mishnah taught us that if the original husband doesn't marry her in 12 months, so then he has to start paying her. But if he dies and now there's a Yavam in place, so the Yavam does not need to take care of her. Right? She does not receive uh, food until the actual, um, until the actual, we'll call it the Nesuin, the Yibam uh, happening. And we said this is no matter what, as, even if this wasn't 12 months. So the Gemara says, my taima, you asked why. The bottom line is, you're a Yavama, right? You have a responsibility to marry her and you're continuing the brother's marriage. Why not? So Gemara says, I'll tell you why. Because the only reason why a Kohen is allowed to feed his wife Truma and is responsible to give her food is because Kinyan Kaspo Amarachmana, the Torah says that a wife eats Truma when she's acquired through a regular act of marriage like money. Kinyan Kaspo. So if you have somebody who acquired a wife with uh, finances, she's allowed to eat truma. However, by a state of yibum, v'hai kinyan de'achivu, the yavam never acquired her with money. It's coming through a zika. It's coming through a Torah-made bond that exists between yavam and yavama. And therefore, there's, even if he's taking his time and dragging his feet, she does not have the right to eat truma because she's not Kenyan Kaspo. So the answer to your question of yesterday is Xeris Akosov. You just have to look at the way the Torah writes it. She's not acquired with money. Hence, she's not allowed to eat truma even if the 12 months are up. Another short Gemara, the Mishnah had said, right? if she was six months with the original husband and then six months with the Yavam, or even one day with the original husband and 11 months with the Yavam, or 11 months with the original husband and one day, the halacha is, she's not allowed to eat truma. Says the Gemara, I don't understand something. You told us that even if um, she is 12 months with her husband, she can't eat truma. So if let's say she's with her original husband for 11 months and 29 days, and then he kicks the bucket. Could she eat truma? No. Our Mishnah then says, our, our Mishnah also says, I'm sorry, our Mishnah also says, if she's one day with the original husband and 11 months and 29 days with the Yavim, also she can't eat truma. Ask the Gemara, what's the Chiddush? If you're not going to let her eat truma when she's been with the husband for 11 months, 29 days, certainly not going to let her eat truma when she's only been with her original husband for one day. So why do you got to mention it? To which the Gemara answers, classic style of a Mishnah, sometimes you're right, it's not a novel idea, but sometimes the Mishnah writes things in a way where they write a halacha, and then we say, and I don't even need to tell you about the other case. So what our Mishnah does like this, our Mishnah says, if she's married 
for 11 months and 29 days and her husband dies and now there's a Yavam who doesn't marry her, she cannot eat truma. And not only that, I don't even need to tell you, since that's the halacha, I don't even need to tell you that if she's only married to her husband for one day and the Yavam for 11 months and 29 days, certainly over there she eat truma. Meaning, it's not a Chiddush, but I'm saying in a way of a Lezu Avzu. Okay. Lezu Ve'in Tzarechzu. Fine. Period. Two dots. Also, clarification of the order of the Mishnah. All right. Now let's tackle the last part of the Mishnah. So, on yesterday's daf, on yesterday's daf, we had a whole Mishnah. Remember, we had the whole Mishnah, which says, a virgin gets 12 months to prepare... And Almana gets 30 days. If he doesn't marry her, he has to support her. If he's a co he's got to give her truma. We learned how much truma, how much is truma, how much is chulin. Okay. And then at the end, all of a sudden, the mission just says, by the way, this is how the original Besden used to do it. But the later Besden came along and they changed the whole thing. And they said, no, 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 no. Even if 12 months are up, a woman can never eat truma until she comes into chuppah. Don't worry about all that. The later Besdin changed everything and they said, until chuppah, no truma. All right. So that's the, that was the end of the Mishnah. Let's tackle that. What we're going to have to clarify here is what is the dispute, what changed between the first Besdin and the second Besdin. Zu Mishnah Rishayna V'chulu. Okay, says the Gemara. My time, uh, what is the reason for the change? Why, why now are we changing and saying, no, 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 no truma until chuppah. You ready for this? We're familiar with this reason. We started out today with it, and that is Mishum Simpain. Remember what Simpain? Simpain was until the husband and wife actually lived together. So, guess what's going to happen? Guess what could possibly happen? He's going to claim the whole thing was a mekachtos, was nullified. It was a mistake. So here's what happened. Here's what could possibly happen. They prepare for 12 months. Time's up. Husband's dragging his feet. Or wife is dragging her feet. In the beginning we said, let her start eating shuma. Now the, uh, the second business says, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Uh, 12 months are up. They're going to say, I know. But you know what could happen? When they get married, let's say in two months from now, the husband might still find a blemish in her after the chuppah, by the bia, whatever it is, and nullify the whole marriage retroactively so she's been eating truma for the past two months illegally. So we have this same simpone problem. All right? Says the Gemara, fine. If that's the reason why we changed, Bishmalula, I make sense according to Ula, who held Kamaisa originally. Shema the reason why a regular Almana, uh, I'm sorry, a regular Arusa cannot eat Truma is because she might share with her family, Ubas Raisa. And then the second Bezdin came along and said, Oh, we have another problem. Bishum Simpoin, there's an additional issue. Not only she might feed her family, but now let's say she moved into her own place. She moved into her own place. Okay, we have, but the husband might still nullify the marriage. I get what the second Bezdin is adding as an issue. Top of Ahmed Bez, El Larav, but according El Larav Shmuel Bar Yehuda, but according to Shmuel Bar Yehuda's reasoning, that who said Kamaisa, the original reason why 
A regular arusa cannot eat truma is always because of simpon. It's always because of the possible blemish. Well, then, ubasraisa mishum simpon. So I originally knew that that was a problem, uh, you know, in the first place. And now we're saying, oh, you know, oh, basraisa, uh, later on, the bezden chapt, oh, that problem could still exist. <laughs> even, if, uh, even if it's 14 months later. My benayu, what changed? You already knew the simpon problem. That's why she couldn't eat the first 12 months. Now you're telling me, but, but we let her eat after 12 months. And now we're saying, oh, yeah, we forgot simpon. We didn't forget simpon. The whole reason has been simpon. So the Gemara says, the difference is, this is fascinating, and this is so true, this is so gewaldic. means an external checking. There's different ways for a person to check out their wife. You could have, you're physically together, and then you have something called, an external checking, is that considered a checking that we will rely upon? Okay, now an external checking means I'm looking into my wife. I want to know how she is emotionally, how she is physically, how she is spiritually, okay? Not necessarily in that order. Whatever, whatever the guy's looking into. You know what you're going to do? So you call up your sister. You say, oh, did you go to school with this, with this young lady? Did you go to her? And you do bitikas chutz. No. Is, is there any physical blemishes? Eh? You guys had a PE together, right? You had physical education together. You had a, you were in the classroom together. How smart, da da. Fine. That's bedikas chutz. You don't know the person intimately, but you looked into it, like your shidduch. You looked into it. Is that considered enough to knock off the simpon problem? Where we say you did enough checking. We're really not concerned about simpon anymore. So Marsav Badika's Chutz Shma Badika, one says that's enough. That's fine. Umarsav Badika's Chutz Shma Badika. No, it's not enough. Hence, we still have a concern. The later Bezdin ruled, we still have a concern about uh, simpon. Maybe the original marriage will be nullified. Hence, we're not going to allow her to eat Shuma until the actual Nesuin period. End of that Gemara. Okay. Here we go. Now, we have a brand new Mishnah, and we're going to shift topics. We're going to shift topics. This topic is really going to lead us on, uh, into the conversation that we mentioned before about financial and physical responsibilities that spouses have to each other. Now, we learned that a husband's obligated to feed his wife. If she, if she earns money, that earnings go to the husband. So here we go. If a person says any earnings of my wife should be sanctified, belongs to the Beis HaMikdash. Does that work? Says the Mishnah, She can use her food, from, she can buy food from her earnings and eat it. What is that telling me? It did not become hectish. Aye. Doesn't it belong to him? Doesn't, it, doesn't If it belongs to him, shouldn't he have the right to make it hectish? It's a good kasha. The Gemara is going to be bothered by this. All right? So we'll wait for the Gemara. But that's something to bother us here. All right? So even though the Maisi Adayim should go to the husband, she, in the Mishnah, in whatever case it's referring to, the Gemara will explain the case, is... Didn't work. It didn't work. Okay. 
However, Hamosar, what about extra money? Now, what's extra money? So this is starting to really clarify what's happening here. Extra money is like this. We're going to learn. There is a basic financial responsibility that a wife has to bring into the home. Right? Now, part of the responsibility is um, actions that are done around the home and also a very limited amount of income that's necessary for her to bring in. So that income is her responsibility to the marriage. And I, we'll touch on it. The Gemara in, in next week, and the next week, we'll get into this in Mitzvah Hashem even more. We'll touch on it in just a moment. But that's the basic amount is her responsibility. And then Mosar is the extras. What about the extras that wasn't her responsibility? So Rav Meir Aymer Hektish. Rav Meir says, now that becomes Hektish. It remains Chulin. Okay? Now, as, I just want to say something. This is not going to explain the mission right now, but I want to put us into a, a mind frame. I want to just create something. Okay, I want to create a mind frame here. And that is, we have to realize, you know, sometimes you got a document, whether it's a census, it says job. Job. Husband's job, wife's job, right? What, what do you do for a living? Okay? So you can have a woman... What's her job? She'll write homemaker. Homemaker. Okay? Is that a job? Is that considered a job? So you'd be like, oh, so it depends how you want to view it, right? You want to be a, a, a male chauvinist, right? You'd be like, no, you got to go out and work, right? You want to, you, you want to be somebody who's getting, inspiring all the women, yeah, who are stay-at-home moms. You'd be like, oh, you're saving the world. You're doing the whole thing. Okay? The, the true way to look at it is everything has value. Everything's a trade-off. Everything's a trade-off. I have the merit, mention something personally for a minute. I have the merit to have a wife who's able to raise her children. My wife's able to be home. Okay? We have, Baruch Hashem, a one and a half year old. For my wife to go to work and send a one and a half year old to daycare... Okay, right now the going rate, according to what I heard recently, is $820 a month. It's $820 a month to go to a babysitter. Okay? So, plus you're going to have the camp in the summer. So you're dealing with $10,000 annually that it would cost to send one child into daycare. So when somebody says, I'm a homemaker, I don't make money, as we're going to see... That is actually considered an earning. There are certain earnings, even if you don't see it in actual cash, but there are certain earnings that a wife, through her duties in the household, brings in on behalf of the husband. Okay? That has real value. That has tremendous value to, to something. And that's the mind frame that we have to go in, that everything has everything that we do. Everything we step up to the plate with and perform has real financial value, even if it's not coming in the form of employee, you know, a boss giving me a check. All right. 
So here we go. That, that, that's the mind frame of the basic expenses and the excesses. But we'll get into this, Bez Hashem, over the course of the next week. Here we go. Says the Gemara. Um, Rav Huna Marav. Rav Huna says the name of Rav. A woman is able to say to her husband, Stop feeding me and I'm not working. You're not getting my earnings. Okay? For example, a wife's got a great job. She's got a great job. So she says to her husband, listen, I, I want to hold on to my money. Don't, don't buy me breakfast, lunch, and supper. I'll buy it by myself, and I keep my money. Says Rav Huna, that's fine. She has every right to do that. Kasovar, because he holds, Ki takinu Rabbanon, Iker, Mishom Eva. He says the Rabbanon originally said that the reason why a husband has to give his wife food and she gives her the income is because the main thing is that she's fed and once he's feeding her it's not nice for her to go earn an income and say oh you feed me and I'm going to hold on to all my earnings Well, what type of relationship is that? Okay, it's going to lead to ill will I could barely afford to feed you and then you're keeping all your money so says Rav Huda, that's why we say he gets the money However, so if she says, listen, don't feed me, and I'll hold on to my own money, so that's sensible. She has the right to do that. It's not going to lead to any sort of animosity, any sort of shalom bias problems, because the husband's not losing out on his end. Oh, I'm feeding you, and you're keeping... No, she says, don't feed me. Fine. That's a challenging question. It says that the reason why she gets mezaynais is in place of her maiseyadayim. So you see, the reason why she gets food is because of Maiseyodayim. That goes tit for tat. It has nothing to do with Eva. It says, I'm sorry. The Gemara is, I, I, I learned that wrong. I'm sorry. Again, let's go back to Maisvei. Maisvei, that's a challenging question. Tiknu Maisvei, they gave her Maisvei because the husband gets the Maisvei. Meaning, the main thing is the Maisvei. So that can't be changed. Oh, but because you're getting the earnings, now you got to feed her. So she shouldn't have a right to back out. Says the no. The reason why she gets, the reason why he gets the earnings is because of his food. Now, if there's no food, because she's Michael, he doesn't get the money. Let's say Ravuna is actually correct. Let's bring a proof to Ravuna that a wife is able to say, I'll keep my paycheck and don't feed me. Because the, the Brisa says, or Mishnah, I'm sorry, the Mishnah says, Hamakdish If a, oh, this is our Mishnah, a person who's Makdish sanctifies, makes hektish, his wife's earnings, it did nothing. She can keep working, keeping her money, feeding herself. My love, Benizainus, isn't this talking about where. Uh, her husband is taking care of her. Maybe we're dealing with a case where she is not um, supported. So Gemara is now explaining, fascinating to clarify our Mishnah. You ready? Our Mishnah says when a husband sanctifies his wife's earnings, it doesn't do anything. At this point of our Gemara, we're understanding, you know why? Because she told him, keep your food, I keep my earnings. Now you're going to go sanctify my earnings? It ain't yours not yours to sanctify so can you sanctify somebody else's thing no so that's why we say um that's why we say there's no 
the 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 hectish didn't work. Says Gabara, if we're dealing with a case where the husband's not giving her food, my lemembra, what's the whole chiddish? Even if you say that a master is able to say to his servant, work for me and I'm not giving any food, it doesn't say he's got to live with you, that it says with you, listen, is your wife any, any less than an Eved Kanani? I'm sorry, than an Eved Ivri? Right? We're not, not that we want to compare a wife to an Eved, but basically what we're saying is, if a master is responsible to feed his Eved, how much more so is a person not able to say to his wife, oh, you work and I'm not going to feed you. Of course not. So it's got to be like this. Says the Gemara, Seifa Tzrichle. We'll say that the Seifa of the Mishnah is why we needed to say the Allah. And what do we say in the Seifa? Meiser. What about extra earnings? Reb Meir Eimer Hektish. Reb Meir said it is Hektish. Okay. Reb Yechonin Asandler Eimer Chulin. Reb Yechonin Asandler says no, it becomes Chulin. Meaning, we want to teach in the Seifa, we want to teach that even where a husband says, I'm not going to give you food, you still, Reb Meir is going to say that um, the, the Hektish is going to work. The hectish is going to work. Why? So let's get into this. Upliga the Reish Lakish. And this is going to end up arguing on Reish Lakish. The Yama Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish explains. Don't say the reason why Rav Meir holds that the Mosar extra money is because a person can sanctify something that doesn't come into the world. What we want to explain now is extra money means money she hasn't yet earned. Can a husband sanctify his wife's money that she's going to earn over the next six months? Maybe that's what Maestro means. He says, no, no, no. Don't say that. Rav Meir says the reason why the Maestro is going to be hectish is because he says, since a husband is able to kofa, means to pressure or force his wife with her main maiseyadayim, the main financial responsibilities. Again, as we're going to learn later, financial responsibilities don't necessarily meet, have to translate into having hard dollars. But it's some sort of financial gain on his behalf. It's as if he's saying to her, Yikadshu yadayim. Your hands are now becoming hectish to the one who made your hands. What does that mean? It's hectish to the one who made your hands? The Ebishter, right? It's Kaddish to the Ebishter, which interestingly, we say this every morning. And we say this when we wash our hands. What's the bracha a person makes? What's the blessing we make when we wash our hands before eating bread? Or Negobasir, when we wash our hands in the morning? We say, Baruch to Hashem. Blessed are you, Hashem, the source of all bracha. Elokeinu melecha olam. Asher Kiddushanu, you sanctified us, on the taking of the hands. It's a fascinating expression. What do you mean, netilas yadayim? What do you mean, you're taking of the hands? So my mother, Zechariah Levrach, I believe, would quote Ravatasi Solomon. I think that's uh, who she would quote, who explains that netilas yadayim means, that's taka what we're, we're obligated to do. We're taking the hands that you gave us, and we're being makadesh them. Kiddushanu, 
You're making us holy. We're sanctifying these, these actual hands are becoming kadosh through our actions. It's not on the washing of the hands. I'm taking what you gave me and I'm using it for a greater cause, which is all the hands. That's all the mitzvahs that we do uh, daily and, and to the minute with our hands is we're taking them and we're sanctifying them. So it's like a husband says to his wife, take your hands and, and they're literally becoming the under the uh, ownership of Hektish. So anything that she's going to create with her hands now belongs to Hektish. And she can't say, oh, I'm not going to be, uh, uh, you know, you, you don't give me and I'm not going to and I'm not going to work for you. One second. It's, you're, it's Hektish already. Says the Gemara, but he didn't say this to her. Meaning, in the case of our Mishnah, did he say, your hands are actually Kaddish? No. What did he say? Whatever you earn is going to be Kaddish. So you see that a person is able to be Makdish. He's sanctifying something that's not, he's saying, any of your future earnings is going to be Hektish. How can you be Makdish? Something that happens in the future, unless you hold it as possible. Okay, what, what is Rav Meir's opinion? Can, can a husband sanctify his wife's future earnings which don't yet exist? As the Gemara explains, Kivan de Shamina leader of Meir. Since we learned in Rav Meir's opinion, a person in general, Halavida still existed, okay? But we don't assume when people say things that uh, it, was, it was meant to not have any sort of impact. Sometimes people, nowadays, with constant, you know, you need to have news 24 hours a day, so people just spew and they talk and they talk as if something's news and it's not really news. But we, there's a general assumption, which is if somebody wants to make a statement, they want it to be impactful. So we make it as if he said to her, even though he said your, your earnings, what he really means to say is, let your hands become hectish. The sovereign of Mayor, you know the Makdash of Elam. Does the mayor hold the person cannot be Makdash of Elam? But Tanim learned to the Bryce of Elisha. A guy says to a, a woman, You're going to be married to me, but he's not Jewish. So he says, he puts a ring on her finger. He says, You're married to me as soon as I convert. Um, uh, or after you convert, after I'm freed, as in Ever Kanani, after you're freed, or I'll be married to you. He put a ring on a woman's finger. You're like, hey, I'm next in line. You know, she's married right now. So a guy walks over to a married woman. He puts a ring on her finger. He says, behold, you're married to me. As soon as your husband dies, I want to be, I want to be next in line. Or you're going to be married to me uh, after your sister dies. Or you go walk over to a Yavama. And you say to her, I know your Yavam hasn't done Chalitza yet, but as soon as he does it, I want to be married to you. Rav Meir, Aymer, Mikudeshes. You hear this? Rav Meir says it does work. It's a Dover Shalom Olam. It's something that's not, that, that capability is not yet in existence. So how in the world does this take effect? Unless you say that a future reality can already start to be impacted now. So the Gemara says, ready for this? May he in, okay, according to those halachos, yeah, and Takatru, you would have a valid point. The mayor holds that you could be Makadesh, sanctify something that's not yet in existence. 
What we want to say is, just because that is true in that Mishnah, we still cannot prove that um, uh, from our Mishnah itself, of, a, of Rev Meir saying that Moser can become hectish, that wouldn't have been enough of a proof. But from the other Mishnah you're bringing, Yutaka would have a proof, you actually would have a proof that a person can sanctify something, which is a Dabar Shalar B'la'ilam, that does not yet exist in the world. Okay, so that last, taking a step back, that last sugya was there to clarify where Rev Meir is coming from, his point of reference, and what ultimately he holds in Halacha. Okay. We're now going to start the next sugya. It's going to take us on to tomorrow's daf. We're going to stop in the middle of the sugya, but let's uh, let's at least start out to uh, to understand. Our Mishnah said, a, a husband wants to sanctify his wife's earnings. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Maybe if he sanctified her actual hands, we just learned that might be different. But her earnings does. She could do what she wants with it. Okay? She, can you keep your mazinus? I keep my money. You can't impact me. Fine. What about extra? Now we have to know what extra is. But mice are extra. Rav Meir says that is hektish. Meir says that that is hektish. And then we had Rabbi Yechidon Hasandler who said it's not hektish. Okay. Amos Kodesh. According to Rav Meir, that it became hektish, when did it, does, it, does the extra, the Mosar, become hektish? Rabbi Shmuel, both say, The extra becomes hektish after she dies. Meaning, while she's alive, it's hers. He has no right to sanctify it. But, we know every husband inherits the wife. So, she's working now. She's, let's say that she's earning an extra $10,000 over what she's responsible Financially to bring into a marriage. Extra 10 grand. He says it's hektish. Robin Shmuel say, you know when it becomes hektish? When she dies, he inherits her. That 10,000 that's sitting in stocks, now it's automatically hektish. Because you said 30 years ago that your wife's extra money that she brings in is sanctified. So now, 30 years later, once she dies and you inherit it, that's, that's that same money. It's the same money you sanctified. You said it was sanctified 30 years ago. Well, guess what? It belongs to Hektish now. It's not yours. Ravada Barava, Omar. Ravada Barava says, it, you don't need, need to wait till he inherits it. What Rav Meir means is, Maiser Mechayim Kaddish. It's ready Hektish while she's alive. Okay? While she's alive, it's already Hektish. Fine. Says the Gemara, Havabar of Papa. So if Papa got into this, Havabar, he was in this. He says, Bimai, what, what, what's happening here? We have a dispute here, right? A husband wants to sanctify the extra money of the wife. The first opinion is, Robin Shmuel, you, when she's dead, it becomes hektish. Rav Adabar Rava says, no, 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 right away it's hektish. So what's the case? Elam, you're going to say the case is, where the husband's feeding her. And he's also giving her spending money, which, again, we're going to learn next week. Very important. We're going to wait till next week to really dwell on this. But not only is it we're going to learn in a mission next week, not only is a husband obligated 
to feed his wife, he's also obligated to give her a, a, a small amount of miscellaneous spending money. You can't be so frugal and not give your wife any spending money, but there's responsibilities on her half, on, on her behalf as well, to bring a little bit more into the marriage on that end. Okay, but that's we're, we're learning a little more about what these respons- you know, how these uh, this. Uh, marriage arrangement financially works out. So if the husband's giving her food and also a silver ma'a of, we'll, we'll call it spending money, my time at Amar, demand Amar What's the reason for Rav and Shmuel who say you got to wait till she's dead? I don't understand. The husband's giving her spending money. Isn't that in correlation to the extra she brings in? So if he's giving her spending money and she's bringing the extra, so the husband should already receive the extra and it should be holy immediately. Because it's already the husband's. The Ellis, you're going to tell me the case is, where he's not, you know, he, he's not giving her his end of the deal. So what's the reason for Ravada Barava who says that it's already sanctified? The husband has no rights to this money. You're not giving her what, what you're responsible to give. You're not giving her the food and the, and the small spending money. Now you're going to say you get every, that whatever you say goes and it's sanctified. What's the case? What's the case? Is the husband taking care of his wife or not? That's the Gemara wants to clarify. Answers the Gemara. Last step for today. The case is he's feeding her. However, he's not giving her the small, the, the miscellaneous spending money that he's obligated to give her. So he's making sure she has food, but he's holding a tight, firm grasp on the checkbook. All right? So Rav and Shmuel Savri, Rav and Shmuel who say it's not his, they say that Tiknu, the Chachamim made a decree, top of tomorrow's daf, they said, because you feed her, you get her earnings. However, extra earnings, if she brings in more than the, the minimal amount, that's only if you give her the miscellaneous spending money. And if you're not giving that to her, you don't get it. And since you don't get it, it's not yours. You want to sanctify it? Not till she's dead. The kivans like a yavla makas. If you're not giving her the silver ma'a, ma'isir dido havi. It's still hers. Get out of here. You can't sanctify it. Ravada Barabbas says no. Tiknu mazayin estachas ma'isir. That really the food is given in place of the extra amount. Uma kasef tachas ma'isir And the silver kasef, the silver ma'a, is in place of her earnings. The kivans like a yavla mazayin. And since he's giving her food, ma'isir dide havi. The extra money is his. Okay, Besham tomorrow we'll pick up onto why they argue, why they have their opinion. We'll go back. We'll re. We'll reframe the the machlekes. It's really really fascinating. Like I said, you know, earlier on on the daf, the next week is going to be really a fascinating conversation about how the Torah and Chazal structure the minimal financial responsibilities within a marriage, what they're for, and if a person doesn't follow through on their end of the deal within. Um, you know the what what the spouse can withhold. Sometimes we could be Michael. Sometimes we could say you don't give me this. I hold on to this. It's all it's all really really a, a really beautiful limud. Beautiful, uh, so much to learn, and we're going to pull out a, a lot of midas, a lot of really the the proper way for a, a ben taira to involve themselves in uh, how we view money when it comes to a Torah relationship. So uh, it's going to be a fun journey, Bez Hashem. We'll hold it here for today. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos, everybody.